0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode twenty three, reminding each other of our own stories. I can't seem to get the episode from two weeks ago out of my mind, episode twenty one, the most important relationship of all. The relationship story I talked about certainly is an active part of my life, but it's the quote of the week that lately seems to be following me around wherever I go, like a needy lapdog. You may remember the quote. We need to remind each other of our own stories. It comes from page 82 of the book I wrote a few years ago, Them. I'm seeing the truth of that statement all over again in new ways. I'm realizing how it can go a long way in giving us the relationships we were made for. Keep listening to find out how. If you listen to episode 16, Two Ways to Care for a Missionary, you may recall the story of Larry and Jill who went to Borneo with $75 in their pocket, $100 promised monthly support, and the rock-solid guarantee from the Lord Jesus ringing in their ears, I will always be with you. Yeah, that Larry and Jill. That Jill with her insatiable appetite for ice cubes, her one great weakness. Well, Jill recently wrote to my wife Janet to tell me how honored she felt to be mentioned in that podcast. And also to remind both of us of another story about our relationship, that while I remembered it, I never really think about it anymore. Here's what Jill wrote. One of my favorite memories that illustrates how you two love and care for your missionary friends is the Christmas story. Larry and I were transitioning from 33 years overseas in Asia to Florida a central location for our widening international travel and ministries. We were between homes. Okay, basically homeless at that point. And it was just a few weeks before Christmas, my favorite holiday, which you guys knew. So we showed up on your doorstep with our numerous heavy suitcases. You led us downstairs to the beautiful garden suite complete with a live decorated Christmas tree. I will never forget your thoughtfulness and generosity, just the comforting feeling of being truly welcomed and cared for by friends. So here we have Jill reminding me of my own story, just like the relationship quote from episode 21 encourages us to do. I share it here for three reasons. First, because it reminds me of how many times in relationships when we do something small for someone, It will often yield big results. Small is the new large. To go out and get an extra Christmas tree was really no big deal for us. It was about a 2 on our effort meter, but it registered a 10 on the love and appreciation scale. It started with Janet and me thinking about their transition, saying goodbye to 33 years in Asia and moving back to this vastly different culture, saying goodbye to your home at one end of the world, with no replacement home lined up on the other end. And to do so at Christmas must have been really difficult. I recount this story because I hope it stimulates you and myself to think of something small that we can all do to bless others. The second reason I share this story is that by Jill reminding Janet and me of our own story, it encourages me that I am making progress in becoming the person I was made to be and want to be. It encourages me to think small, to think of small things I can do to bless people. It encourages me to think more of others than I am normally inclined to do, and that I am capable of being more like this than I am normally inclined to behave. A third point to this story is that there is joy in our story being part of the joy in another person's story. There is joy in knowing that we can bless people in small ways that they may well remember many years later, long after you stop thinking about what you did initially to bless them. You can't buy this kind of joy. Hopefully this example will encourage you to do the same thing, because when you bring joy into another's life, you often receive joy back in return. Another example of being reminded of my own story occurred earlier this year in January when Janet and I visited my sister Karen in Florida. You know, when you live in Wisconsin, it's a wonderful thing in January to have a sister living in Florida. Because Janet and I started a new decade of life this year, my sister took it upon herself to organize a birthday celebration for the two of us. It was all quite secret up to the last minute. Karen and I are bookends among the five siblings in our family. I'm the oldest, and she is the youngest. Eleven years separate us. Our parents died over ten years ago, and I feel a bit like the patriarch of the family and Janet the matriarch. Karen, my sister, and Mary Kay, my sister-in-law, took us out for brunch on a Sunday afternoon where we met our brother Joe and his kids, all married now, with kids of their own. Our daughter Jennifer and her husband Tim also showed up from South Carolina. At the brunch, Karen passed out paddles she fashioned with 5x7 headshot photos of Janet and me pasted back-to-back on the end of what looked like a huge tongue depressor a doctor would use on a man the size of Shaquille O'Neal. The photo she chose for me was uh, a photo when I was 13 and had hair. (laughs) <laughs> Janet's was more recent. Everyone started waving the paddles, rotating the photos back and forth. It was great fun. Even even the waitress enjoyed it. After we ate, we headed to my brother Joe's new home, where they sang Happy Birthday. Then Janet and I blew out the candles on the birthday cake. All the traditional stuff you do at a birthday party. What happened next, however, was anything but traditional. Weeks before this birthday get-together, Karen wrote to everyone in our family, inviting them to this gathering, but knowing most of them could not make it because of the distance and expense. So she asked everyone in our family to send her a favorite memory they have of Janet and me. She got 48 email responses, some people sharing several favorite memories. She then typed those responses on small folding note cards and had Janet and I read them aloud. I'll read just a few of them, starting with several from our own kids. The first one is from my son-in-law, my my daughter Jennifer's husband, Tim. He said his favorite memory, or a favorite memory, is when he asked me uh, to marry Jennifer, and I took him to the Forum restaurant uh, in our area, and asked him a list of thirty questions. <laughs> I remember that so well. Uh, I had forgotten about it until until I got I got this card. But the, that's a great memory that I, that I have. And uh, one of these days uh, we'll have an episode on that. I I know I have a cassette tape of of his answers, and uh, they were they were great answers. So thirty questions to ask a young man who wants to marry your daughter. Yeah, I can see that being a great episode coming coming down the pike here. A favorite memory from my son and his wife is about Janet, and they write, watching my mom sacrificially care and faithfully walk with her parents through varying stages of aging and health declines. It's been a really long journey for Janet. Her dad had Parkinson's. Her mother has had dementia for many years, and it's it's taking its toll on Janet. Um, The thing that's encouraging is to see that Michael and Hope noticed. You know, not something that they talk about or that we talk about, but they noticed. And that's just uh, very encouraging to me that they are even aware of what's going on. Another one from my son and his wife is this. Faithfully doing our boys' laundry the first year of their lives as we struggle to keep our heads above water Dealing with premature twins and sleep deprivation, you know I haven't thought about that in years. The boys are seventeen now, and i I vaguely remember Janet doing doing a lot of laundry for them um, but that that too is a great encouragement that that story that they are reminding me uh and reminding Janet of our involvement with uh, uh, their boys' lives in the very very beginning. Our daughter Jennifer writes the following as a favorite memory of hers. The time I was on Continentals back in college, I called you collect from South Africa, and we talked for about 30 minutes about how much I loved Brazil and wanted to move there. <laughs> you, you stayed on the phone for as long as I wanted to talk, and, and uh, as if I were calling from next door. I cannot even imagine how much that phone call cost, but you never mention it. You are just happy to hear me uh, tell you about my adventure. I had forgotten about that, so it was great to be reminded by her. She has one more favorite memory. I think this is mostly for Janet. And our daughter writes, I remember all the fun we had planning my wedding together. I remember it as being completely fun, exciting, creative, and full of life and love without any of the drama that some families go through. It was so fun to celebrate with you and enjoy every minute of creating the perfect day together. Another memory from my son, a favorite memory, is this. My dad, appropriately so, yelling at me, not the umpire, after a Little League game in which I was being a disrespectful brat and poor sport on the mound. <laughs> I, uh, I vaguely remember that. Uh, interesting that that is a favorite memory of his. And then there were the favorite memories shared by our five nieces, who are now in their late 20s, early 30s. One of them wrote, Santa Claus, a.k.a. John, visiting Grandma's house on Christmas Eve, and when we were just a little older and asked, how's, how did Santa get into the house without a chimney? I'll never forget that we were told that he comes through the dryer. So we all sat by the dryer and waited for him to come. Somehow he got by us and upstairs without us seeing. <laughs> and then they all wrote about something that we used to do when they were quite young. Between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, we would have them uh, come over and spend uh, a night with us, a sleepover. We called it the Nice Nieces Night Out. And it it was really great fun. Um, It was our attempt to try to get them to uh, connect uh, with each other. One of them wrote, uh, I remember when they took us out to Old World, Wisconsin for a sleigh ride. This was something that uh, like an early American settlement uh, recreated. It was one of the longest car rides ever in my mind. I remember they had on talk radio in the car, which I thought was so boring. And another one wrote, too, about that trip. They they thought the fact I was listening to NPR was just uh, not very interesting at all. Um, but they but they appreciated it, and I haven't thought about this for years. And I often wondered, did it really make any difference to them, Um but apparently apparently it did you know as they got older it was you know we stopped doing it because their schedules got busy um but they were just all very complimentary about about that particular event from from their childhood uh, that you know our story is 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 part of their stories another favorite memory all five nieces commented upon was Janet's cooking and the fact that they loved her spaghetti one of them said that uh, they they loved the the fact that she had these huge meatballs that they had never seen before, and they just they just loved her cooking and Then there are the favorite memories shared by my brother and sisters. My brother Joe commented upon the fact that I taught him how to play chess, apparently that was very meaningful to him and Then my sisters all had interesting things to say. One of them wrote the the following. A favorite memory of me, uh, for me, is remembering John getting into college, despite parental resistance and opinion. Yeah, I had no idea she was aware of the drama that was going on behind the scenes with with that one. Another one was from a, another sister who wrote. Uh, she remembered uh, as a favorite memory our apartment in college when Janet and I got married, and how we had stacked books, uh, our bricks rather to make a wall, uh, actually a book bookcase, uh, in that apartment that, that my sister thought was so cool. She said, I also loved it when John sent home letters while in college. It was something to look forward to. I didn't know that she was even aware of that. And then finally, from my younger sister, Karen, she wrote, one of her favorite memories was the time John was home from college and came to Chapman School to walk me home from second grade. It was about three blocks away. She said, I thought that was cool. And I do remember that. In fact, it reminds me of uh, that quote from one of our first episodes, the relationship quote about how at the end of the day, we're all just walking each other home. And I do remember walking Karen home at that early age. What Karen did in organizing this event for Janet and me was to remind us of our own stories, Some of those, as I mentioned, I have no memory of. Others I recall fondly. The whole event, this whole birthday event, did three things for me. One was to appreciate even more my younger sister Karen and all the work that she did to put put this together. Contacting everyone, methodically typing each of the favorite memories onto note cards, assembling the paddles with our photos. This was all very labor-intensive. And there was a fair bit of expense, too. Secondly, it told me that Janet and I have made uh, more of an impact on members of my family than I realized. It told me that people noticed and we made a difference in their lives, if nothing more than, than a fond memory. And, you know, fond memories are, are really worth something. And finally, and, and most importantly, what my little sister did Was set an example I can follow in my other relationships by reminding my friends of their own story. To remind them of their stories is to encourage them and honor them, as Karen did with Janet and me. So here's to little sisters. Way to go, Karen. Well, before I close, here's the main takeaway from today's episode, Our Show in a Sentence. We can be agents of joy when we remind others of how our story is part of their story, because after all, we were made for this. Well, here's a way you can respond to today's show. Who is someone you can remind of their own story? It doesn't need to be a big party like my little sister arranged, although that certainly was a lot of fun. It can be something as simple as writing a note to share a favorite memory you have of someone, like all my relatives did for Janet and me, and like our friend Jill did for Janet and me when she told us her favorite Christmas memory with us. Imagine if we all did this, even just once. You know, you were made to do this, you know. I'm going to give it a try myself this week. How about you? Please let me know how it goes for you. Well, coming up next week, we will reflect on some of the listener responses we've been getting that will hopefully stimulate your thinking about relationships to make them the best they can be. And here's our relationship quote of the week. It comes to us from the novelist Pat Conroy. He writes, The most powerful words in the English language are, Tell me a story. I just love that. The most powerful words in the English language are, Tell Me a Story, Pat Conroy, a novelist from South Carolina. I read one of his books a long time ago. It's called My Losing Season. It was about his time on the basketball team of the Citadel University in in Charleston. It's a great book. He's a great writer. The most powerful words in the English language are Tell Me a Story. Well, remember, you were made for this. Life-giving, fulfilling relationships. We're here together to learn how. So see you next week. Bye for now.